Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos, and today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Look, BetOnline, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. I hope you had a pretty penny on Phil Mickelson over the weekend because that totally worked out. And BetOnline, it's got you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's going to help you out with the NBA playoffs going on right now, and it's the best way to place your bets. And it's also free to sign up. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website right now, BetOnline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod today. It is a baseball pod. We were talking about the Chicago Cubs, a team that's 24 and 22, a game and a half on the St. Louis Cardinals. They're taking two out of three from those dirty Redbirds. So why not? Let's bring in our Cubs consigliaries for the day. First coming in hot right now, he is Sean Graves. Hello, Sean. Joey, my friend, we're at we're at the quarter point of the season. The weather is turning. The Cubbies are contending. And most importantly, I've been to Wrigley Field. I've been to a baseball game. It's back, my friend. I have seen Kyle Hendricks blow up in the first inning. <laughs> I've seen it's, it. It's back. <laughs> and also coming up in the pod, he is back right now. The score may be 15 to 4, and we're giving him the take sign, but he is swinging away. It's Tom. Hello, Dom. You know, you know, I would never do that. I would never do that. And I couldn't be happier to, to take this off finally. And I can't wait to go. I am so excited that we're finally here. Um, First rule it's, it's, baseball is never disrespect the Minnesota Twins. And don't do it. Don't do it. I was <laughs> TLR out there. Anyways, let's stick it on the north side for right now. Guys, let's just open it up with the conversation of, you know, heading into this series against the Cardinals. You know, a little scary, right? This team's been kind of teetering around 500. They're 12 and 6, I believe, in their last 18 games, which is good news for us. But heading into that series, always against the Cardinals, you're kind of worried. Cubs get two out of three. They sneak it out. Some clutch hitting, maybe a little bit of luck along the way, maybe some terrible umpiring in the process. Sean, go first. Just give us a quick recap of that series against the Cardinals because it feels good to be a Cubs fan right now heading into this series against the Pirates beginning on Tuesday. Yeah, it does. I mean, just the, the whole month so far has been pretty great leading into that Cardinal series. And anytime you take two or three, I mean, no matter who you're playing, that's a great job. Win, winning series, right? That's what you want to do. And I think we've now won three series in a row, and it's even better to walk into that dirt bird stadium down in St. Louis and get two out of three. I mean, you know, close games, the first game, fantastic. Like we, we had in our little text chain, Watching someone else's bullpen blow up was a thing of beauty. Thing of weird beauty. beauty. And then Saturday and Sunday is just kind of a microcosm of what the entire month of May has been for the Cubs, right? I think we played 13 one-run games and we're six and seven in those games. So even as great as this month has been so far, imagine if you switch. If you get three or more, three or four more of those one-run games going the other way, you're sitting in first place. But great last couple weeks, great month, great win over the Cardinals. Dom, Cubs game and a half out of the lead for the division surprising to you or maybe a little bit more par for the course because the division as is as expected is probably the more watered down division in the national league. Well, you could say it's watered down, but they're just beating up on each other. I mean, you're going to see the same, you're going to see the same kinds of offense. And I think, I think it's still pretty early. I mean, you know, Sean mentioned it's, it's the quarter point and you really shouldn't look at the standings before Memorial day anyway, but I think guys are still starting to hit a groove and starting to, you know, if you come out of spring training and these pitchers are way ahead and you're seeing these low scoring games and you're finally starting to see some offense come back, um, 58 no hitters already, uh, 17 no hitters this week. 
Um, pitching seems to have been dominating recently. Um, so it, it would sure be nice to, to get some offense going. I don't know. I mean, I think they're, they're a 500 team. I think they're just going to, they're going to toy with us all year with this, you know, we're a game and a half under 500, a game and a half out of the lead. Could they get it? Then they're going to hit us, you know, a little bit of a slide then come back. And I think overall, they're pretty much right where they should be right now. I mean, do I sit here and scream at the TV every night? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> do I think they can play better? 100%. Um, there's a lot of room for improvement on the 500 team. Yeah, it's a valid point. It's still pretty early in the year. We are getting deeper where we're starting to learn a little bit about what this team is. But, you know, again, yeah, it sort of feels like this team is going to be one of those, yeah, hang around 500 teams, maybe win four or five in a row here and there, maybe lose two or three. You try and keep those losing streaks as short as you possibly can. Can this team, though, be the type of team that rattles off 10 out of 13, right? Can they be the team that maybe puts, you know, 15 out of 20 on the books and really start to extend that above 500 record. But Dom, you're bringing up something great. Let's play a little game called real or not actually, uh, because it is early enough in the season, right? Where we can actually make some predictions of what are we seeing? Is it real or is it not? Uh, is it fool's gold? Dom, let's go first, man. Sean brought up the point of, you know, there's a lot of one run games. These Cubs, this Cubs team is playing. They're winning them right now. So let's go to these young arms in the bullpen and Craig Kimbrell leading the charge. The Cubs bullpen right now, real or not? Right now, real. They are absolutely real. They are a force to be reckoned with. I uh, against the Nationals, sixteen in a third innings, twenty-five strikeouts, zero, zero runs given up. And listen, I've I've shared this on the text thread. I am all in on Tommy Nance. That kid is filthy, just disgusting stuff. Um, Kimbrel. Only one blown save so far that, you know, two months into the year, you'd take that. If, if you heard that in the off season, you'd be like, there's no way that's going to happen. He's going to blow more than one right now. They're definitely real. And they are uh, uh, a bunch of failed starters a force to be reckoned with. Sean Graves, the bullpen comes bullpen right now. Uh, real or not at this point in the season. Well, first off, before I answer, I do want to say in our preseason pod, I did say to Dom, I'll see you at the all-star break. <laughs> With your Craig Kimbrell jersey and your red beard and the dyed hair. Did I not say that to you, my friend? So I better see it because the, the arm is heading towards the all-star game, I believe. 20 yeah, minutes, I, I'll have that beard going. Yeah, I, I mean, I think right now, without a doubt, they are they are real and they are the real deal. They're, they're not giving up runs or throwing strikes or pitching well. And what I love most, we said, we said this in one of our text chains, it's finally, finally, finally homegrown guys. I think we've had what we've got five or six like guys from our farm system that are now pitching at the major league level, you know, starting with Alzale in the rotation and then guys like Steele and Nance and Keegan Thompson. And these guys are legit, man. They have arms, they're power arms, power arms, throwing strikes and they're doing their job. So, I mean, it's, it's stunning to see them make a course correction from kind of those first two, three, four weeks of being so bad to being this good. Are they going to be this good the rest of the way? Probably not. You're not going to go two or three weeks without giving up a run, but I don't think we'll see them be as bad as they were early. So it's probably a little, a little more towards the middle, but right now, a hundred percent real. Yeah. Even Dylan Maples is ERA right now. As you're like, what? Real? Uh, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They were, they were, they were going to him and late against St. Louis. I think it was, it was at the bases loaded inning with nobody out. And I'm just like, well, we, you know, start putting the blankets away. Cause this one's wrapped up. And uh, he made him look real bad, you know, got the three quick outs and it was like, 
that that was that was Dylan Maples. Like they didn't make a different change. Like, <laughs> he, he was in. All right, great. And, you know, write it now. You got to you got to write it. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. They were supposed to beat Washington. That was great. Two out of three from a division rival to get yourself back in the race. Great job, everyone. Hope you, uh, you know, hope those early exits by the starting pitchers earlier in the year don't come back to bite this bullpen. I don't have high hopes of that, but take it while you can get it. Well, and we're going to get to Chris Bryant in the offense a little bit later, but outside of KB, I would probably say this bullpen is probably the reason why we're even hanging around in this yeah. division in the first place because we have a starting rotation that has the sixth worst uh, ERA in the major <laughs> leagues. If you look up and down, there isn't one that is sub four right now. And, no. you know, there's a couple guys that maybe are slightly turning the corner just to touch a little bit, but it has been an incredibly disappointing start. You do definitely want to see them maybe sort of find their water level a little bit, even if the bullpen does take a step back. Dom, uh, turn down your audio levels. Let's talk about Trevor Williams. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this was on the pre-pod, man. I mean, this was something that uh, terrified you and Cubs Nation heading into the year. Look, great story, right? His dad's a huge Cubs fan. I love it when they cut to him 25 times a game. Every time Trevor Williams throws a strike uh, that makes the count three and one. Uh, you and far between. Congratulations. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, what is it? What is it about Trevor Williams and how long are they going to, uh, in Tom, in your opinion, you know, what are the Cubs going to do exactly with this spot here? He doesn't help the future. He's not really helping the present. You know, do, does he have a spot in the rotation moving forward or does a change have to come there? I, I don't think if changes ha if change has to come, I don't think it's coming anytime soon. I think you I think you stick with these guys for a little bit and see if they could lower those. I mean, ob obviously Kyle Hendricks started off in rough shape. Poor Sean and his lady friend sitting out there in thirty degree weather watching that uh, experiment blow up. Uh, but what 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 is there? I mean, Keegan Thompson got a start for Arietta. That was positive. Um, but after that, I mean. I mean, Adbert, you can't throw him every day. Although if you asked him, he probably would. Um, <laughs> so, you know, a two man rotation between Hendricks and him doesn't seem to work out for a lot of teams. Um, I, I think you stick with them now only because, you know, weather's warming, maybe he'll get more comfortable. Like you said, he seems behind in every count. Um, th these are big boy pro hitters. And if you get behind, and you throw a strike, guess what? You're going to get hit. And he loves to get hit. Now, I can't imagine if I were him and my dad was in the stands, you know, they'd cut to him and it would just be like oh, a lot of that, a lot of hand wringing, a lot of, a lot of looking for the beer guy is the souvenir man coming around. Where, where is he? I thought, you know, they would show him there'd be an empty seat. <laughs> that was, the hot dog, so, one bite. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just, I can't imagine sitting there and watching my kid do that, but <laughs> what a thrill, what a thrill for him. I, he'll probably hang around just for a little bit longer, at least before we start shedding pieces. But uh, I don't think his future is bright in this, uh, in this orientation. Yeah. Sean, can Trevor Williams uh, turn this around right now, or is this just slowly a sinking ship in terms of his spot in the rotation? Yeah. I mean, I'll disagree with Dom a little bit. And I think the guy's pitching for his life already. I think the the the, la the last start where he what he went four or five and didn't blow up earned him another start. But the guy has been decent at Wrigley and a dumpster fire on the road. And now when decent is you actually make it through four innings, <laughs> you know what I mean. And when you're on the road and you're going two and a third consistently, I mean I think I looked it up. The guy's made nine starts and hasn't hit forty innings yet. Like I'm sorry, 
we can't, we can't have that. So he's fresh. I, what you're saying yeah, is he's right? fresh. So, and, and I think I, I, if, I, if I'm the Cubs, I'm watching what Keegan's doing and I'm just waiting. If Trevor Williams goes out in his next start and just burns the world down again, sorry. You know, I think he has to go on the IL list with a, with a finger blister or something. You know what I mean? And Keegan gets the start because I love what Keegan gives you as well. It's a change of pace. I mean, we've got four guys in the rotation throwing 90-91 besides Adberg. Give me another guy like Keegan that's going to pump in 95-96. So I think he's pitching for his life. We'll see, though. Yeah, I just don't understand. Look, in the offseason, it was a prudent move, right? We're two seasons removed. He had a sub-40 ERA. I think it was like a 3.75 or something like that. Pitched well. Obviously, we had a terrible year. Reclamation project, right? right? Like, bargain basement. Let's see what he's got. We've seen what Trevor Williams has. And, again, you know, Dom, you were mentioning, you know, our, you know, sellers, the Cubs are sellers. You know, that's the big narrative. It isn't even a matter of whether they win games or win the division. It's who are they going to sell? When are they going to sell it? And what are they going to get back for? So my question is though, if we are going to live in that world, why is Trevor Williams even, you know, I think it's time to make a decision on him. Right. And I would rather see a guy like Keegan Thompson get his teeth kicked in than watch Trevor Williams get his teeth kicked in because at least, you know, right. We're seeing with Al yeah. some really promising signs of a guy that kind of, you know, put a bad start with a good start, good start, bad start, kind of young guy learning the changeup. Now, all of a sudden now putting together quality outings, we got to kind of get that maturation process going. So, you know, what are we waiting for? If we are planning for some sort of future, you know, why don't we just try and see it now with a Keegan Thompson, Dom, if you want to hop back in. At what point do you decide, like, if you're only a game and a half out, like, is this the time to switch all to the young people? Like, you know, they're just kind of, treading water on this pitching staff and i like, believe me i understand like these guys aren't throwing you know even zach please come on what i mean what are we doing start after start and you're you're well, i mean you're, you're not doing well um so at some point you got to go i understand that but when is that is it now is it the end of may is it the end of june when you start shedding these pieces is it when you know that's the question that's the million dollar question yeah, and I, I just I just want to see it. I mean, honestly, I don't think we have any illusions that this team is ready to compete for a World Series. So, you know, just the same way that we're running Zach Davies out there, hoping that he pumps up his trade value to maybe toss him around at the end of July, I wouldn't mind seeing Keegan maybe get a couple of turns just to see what it's about. Now, you know, Sean, we were, we were talking before, it just sort of seems like there's information out there that Trevor Williams just can't be a bullpen guy. It just has, isn't going to work. So he kind of has... Either yeah. he's either in the rotation, he's on the quote unquote IL, or he just isn't really on the roster right now. So maybe that makes it a difficult moment for them. Sean, in your opinion right now, what has been more surprising to you, the struggles of Hendricks and Davies, or honestly, the solid start of Azalea to start the season? You know, I, that's a great question. And I was thinking about that. Like if you had told me coming in that, that Azalea was going to be leading your, your, your rotation in ERA and, and, and innings pitched, I'm not really sure what I, what I would have felt about that. I mean, I think what I would hope that meant was that he was a really awesome, pleasant back-end surprise that was complimenting Hendricks and Davies and Arietta and not the other way around, which is where we're at. It's great long-term for the organization to see this kid taking this step forward and hopefully going in, into future years, he turns into you know a solid two, everything goes right, he's your one, we'll see. But I, I'm just really surprised to see Kyle Hendricks start this slow for this long. He, he started to maybe hopefully 
turn it a little bit, pretty, pretty decent, good last start. But I'm really surprised he came out of the gate because a guy like him pitching in April in that cold weather and the wind not blowing out, how does that guy not rake? He's all about contact. The ball's not going to leave the ballpark. How does he not dominate? So I'm very surprised to see him. Davies, to me, was a coin toss. I know he had like a career best year last year in the two-month season, but he's, he's the same thing as Kyle Hendricks, just not as good. Yeah, and, and having both of them in the rotation, they're yeah. like a, a replication that's going on that I think is hurting Davies and maybe Hendricks too as well. Hendricks yeah. is at 11 home runs given up right now. And clearly it's official, guys. My worst take of the year uh, with <laughs> the preview pod when I was like, hey, maybe this contact-friendly rotation is going to get us in and out of innings a little bit quicker. Maybe the games will be a little bit shorter. The defense will be on their toes a little bit. Well, they're just on their toes because they're reaching up to get the ball out of the basket yeah. at Wrigley Field right now. Like that's the main problem, you know. Dom, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not super worried about Hendricks. Again, like it just kind of keeps fortifying this issue of the guy's not, the guy's not an ace. Don't get upset. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's a really good pitcher, but he's not that losing streak stopper. You know, he still probably is a number two, number three guy who's going to struggle and just have at least one bad stretch a year. I feel like he's going to turn it around. You know, Dom. Have you been more surprised with Davey's struggles or Alzale's success? Have I been more surprised? Yeah. Um, I, I'm happy for Adbert. Like, you know, we we talked about it, especially before the season. We, this is what we want to see out of these players. And he was one that we wanted to see just a big jump uh, in, in both maturity and how, how you operate during a game. I mean, there were, some, there were some times last year where he was in where he was just – he was throwing. And this year, it seems like he's pitching more. He's starting to understand that, you know, you, you change speeds, you move the ball around the zone, and the hitters are going to start guessing, and that's when you start succeeding because they don't know with your absolutely filthy fastball, your crazy slider that just falls off a table, oh, you're developing a changeup? That's going to put fear into a lot of people. That's three pitches you have to guess. It's significantly hard. Zach Davies... Uh, here's the reason he's not succeeding is because he doesn't have to face the Cubs 30 times a year. When he was on the Brewers, you'd get like five starts out of him that way. That's five wins for him. Take those five wins out of any of his seasons. Is he that great? Probably not. Um, he's a guy who it just seems like would just loves to get knocked around. He's a, a three, four on your staff at best. Um, Kyle, as far as not being an ace, TBD. Um he trends to to pitch well later on, obviously. Um, April certainly surprising, but I mean, his last three or four starts, I mean, he was, it was his last 20 innings, even before this weekend, were, were trending much, much, much better. And then he, you know, he pitches into the, will pitch into the ninth. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if he got one out that inning or they took him out right away, but, you know, that's 28. 28 great innings you've thrown over the last four games. I'd say that's okay. And, and if, if we were to spread that out against the rest of the staff throwing at least seven innings for four starts. Yeah, we take that. Um, so I don't know why it's not acceptable for Kyle to be held to the same standard. Uh, I'm certainly more surprised that Kyle started so slow in the first month and a half. Yeah. It, it's just, it just sort of kind of crystallizes and illuminates just kind of who the dude is. And this kind of feels like the Carlos Zambrano conversation, which kind of drove me nuts. Which we don't have to get into of like, we want to label these guys and get it. And you know what I mean? Like, and look, Kyle Hendricks in a playoff game, I feel comfortable throwing him out there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. really comfortable doing that. You know, does that not make him necessarily like a de facto Garrett Cole type guy? Probably not, but it still gives a really good comfort level. 
And it's a delicate dance, right? Because Dom, you brought up a really great point about, you know, last year about the, the, the opportunities got out that Alzale got, because in my opinion, last year, you know, if you're going to give Nico Horner, like at the beginning of the year, they're like, we're just going to give him 300 at bats and just see what happens. You know, I want to see that with some of this young Cubs pitching too, as well. Right. Like, and look, maybe they were correct where Alzale was a thrower, not a pitcher last year. Horner was a guy that got hot for a week or two and then completely cooled off and couldn't keep it going and be consistent. I feel like Horner and Alzale are a little bit on the same track where I think we're starting to see the major league baseball player come alive inside of them. And I'm just asking questions of like, if we're going to play this narrative of, you know, Oh, well, it was me. We don't have money. We got to trade all these guys. You know, what are we doing wasting our time with people like Trevor Williams and no offense. Like, I mean, I get Chris Bryant's in the outfield now, but like David Bodie, starting at second base. It's like, we got to walk walk out of this season knowing what we have and what we're going to work with. And that starts with giving Keegan Thompson as many opportunities as he can, even when he fails, you know, guys like Justin Steele, Tommy Nance. I mean, I'm enjoying the ride right now. Feels a little bit like a Rowan Wickish character where like, let's just make sure he has a great season and doesn't blow out his arm or do, you know what I mean? These guys, it's a little flash in the pan. Let's just make sure that that sort of works out and like keep giving guys like Owsley opportunities because If we are going to be trading all these dudes, we got to walk out of this season with some pieces, with some young pieces that we can feel sort of confident about. And Sean, I want to ask you this because we've been talking about this. I think the biggest part about the the conversation of the Cubs spending money and Tom Ricketts not wanting to spend money because of poor investments in the past, Brandon Morrow, Tyler Chatwood, even maybe a Jason Hayward, if you want to go there. Yum, yum, donuts, McDonald's, Taco Bell, (laughs) Uh, RNC and whatever. Yeah. No, anyways, so the, the whole concept with that, though, is the whole idea is if you could walk out of this season with Kyle Hendricks, Albert Azale, and let's just say Keegan Thompson, let's just for funsies, right? You got three pieces of your rotation right there that are going to be dirt cheap, right? Yep. That's what the Cubs need to do if they want to get back to their winning ways. Maybe instead of going out and buying pitching, maybe start growing some of that pitching on your own, and maybe you can go back and buy – you know, maybe some offensive pieces or re-sign some of the guys that you already have on your team. You know, Sean, I mean, this is what this season is about, right? I mean, it is about winning games and trading players, but it's also figuring about who you walking forward with on this team. Yeah, a hundred percent, you know, and it's kind of like, don't listen to what Jed and those guys are saying in public. Like, I think they probably already know behind the scenes, whether we're selling or potential buyers for real come deadline time. If they're around that 500 mark, if they're around two games out, you're probably going to see guys go, right? And that's why I'm all for right now, like, bye-bye Trevor Williams. Let Keegan Thompson get in there and get his turn, right? He's not a guy we're bringing up from AAA who's had a good month. He's been in the big leagues the past month. He's proven he can handle the moment. He's already had one turn where he's been great, been great out of the bullpen. Get him in there. Let's get him the next four months of, of experience and see if he is that piece. Same thing with a guy like David Bodie. David Bodie should not be playing more than one start a week. If you have a lefty pitching, he can come in there. He's he's like 40 points below league average right now. Matt Duffy, if he's healthy, should be starting every single day. I mean, Matt Duffy behind Chris Bryant and the bullpen might be right there in your MVP conversation simply because the guy is hitting 278 and makes contact. Bodie needs to be on the bench. Stop starting him multiple games. Nico Horner is slowly turning into one of my favorite. He's just a, he's a dirt devil, as we would say back in the day, right? He's the guy that's got a, 
it's a stand-up double, and he's still going head first in the, in the second because he wants that uniform dirty. And the guy can make contact. I don't give two shits that he doesn't hit for home runs. I got plenty of guys doing that. Give me contact. Give me doubles. Give me singles. Give me a guy hitting 330, 340, which we've been crying about for five years on this team. Here's a guy doing it. If he pumps that on base up a little bit more, that's your leadoff hitter at worst. Dom, am I incorrect that Nico Horner looks like a baseball version of Mark Hamill in Star Wars, A New Hope? I thought you were going to say he looks like a baseball version of me. Um, I believe early on I was on the Nico train and everybody else was like, let's see where this goes. Um, I, I, and not to harp again, but I believe I, I was also beating the Bodie drum once again of what are we doing here? The, I mean, yeah, he's paid. We paid yeah. him, yeah. right? We don't need to learn. Yep. Anything about David Bodie, other than he needs to just know his role on the team, right? I mean, yep. I'm sorry, go ahead. When he got that contract, I thought it was because they were going to get rid of Bryant a lot sooner, and Bodie was supposed to be the third baseman of the future. Well, mm, that hasn't worked out. I know if you ask me who I would rather have at third base, but even at second base, I mean, you got, you, you got to throw Nico in. He's hitting the snot of the ball every day. It's two hits, three hits. Oh, one hit, stolen base, you know, score two runs kind of thing. He's doing all the little things of a winner. Um, it's unbelievable. Bodie, Vargas, Sogard, and Duffy, they're not doing it. I mean, pound for, Bodie's hitting 194. Bodie yeah. weighs like 220. Hit your weight. That's all I got to ask for you, and you're not doing it. You strike out in big situations. It looks like you're guessing at the plate. I mean, he looks like one of us up there. Two strikes. He doesn't know what's coming, and he's just going to start waving at it. He's not Javi. He can't do that. That's not his bit. It's Nico time. Completely agree with you, and we're kind of segueing right into the offense. Now, let's talk about this Cubs offense. This is a difficult conversation for us to have, in my personal opinion, because I started looking into some of the numbers, right? Like, this Cubs offense, in my opinion, looks very, very similar to Cubs offenses of seasons past, correct? Like one day they'll put up nine or 10 runs. And the next day they'll score one run on three hits. They'll have the bases loaded with one out and a guy will pop it up and a guy will strike out and not get it done. We're kind of sort of seeing some of the same hallmarks that you've seen that have been so frustrating from these Cubs teams in the past. But if you look at the numbers, guys, this Cubs offense is actually in the better half of national league teams from everything. I mean, they got a 34% on base percentage. You're like, Hey, that's not that great. Guess what? In major league baseball today, it's pretty damn good. There's yep. percentage just a little bit over over 400. Guess what? Also pretty damn good. You're like, Oh my God, this team's only hitting 239. Do me a favor and look at some of the other batting averages of the team yep. that are going around. Even teams that are in first place. I mean, we got teams hitting 206 as an entire offense and squad right now. I mean, it's kind of going the way of baseball. So how do we break down this offense right now? I mean, how do we kind of handicap where this team can go and what the potential is? Because outside of KB, can we honestly say, you know, one guy or another is actually really carrying the load right now or are actually meeting expectations offensively? Sean, what do you think? Well, real quick, I was reading today, they did a top 30 breakdown of where offenses rank. Cubs were eighth, eighth in yeah. baseball, right? And, 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 and I feel like, holy cow, this is what I'm watching, and this yeah. is top 10 offense. It's true. This is how bad offense has gotten in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and and, and the, the big stat that I took from that when I was looking at those numbers were we all talked about the first month. They can't hit a damn fastball. They get a four-seamer, and they stare at it. They swing through it. They pop it up. They were hitting 175 through April 28th. 
April 29th to now, 301 against the four seed. When you can hit a fastball in the major leagues, it changes everything in your offense, right? And that's what we've seen the past month. I mean, having a guy like Chris Bryant, he is definitely, I mean, it's not even close. I think he has like a, what, a plus 170 WRC right now. It's insane. He's, he's having a better year than he did his, his MVP year. And we haven't even, you know, and we're at this point after an awful first four weeks of the season, and we don't, don't even have guys like, you know, Willie's still hitting in the, in the 240s. That's going to raise. Rizzo is hitting, what, 250-ish? That's going to go up. Javi around 255, I, I don't know. That's kind of where he is. So I think there is room for improvement. And I, you know, one thing I love, I love that we're fourth in stolen bases. I love that Rossi's getting traffic going. You're seeing more of that, taking advantage of that. You know, we do take our walks. I mean, we can bitch and moan and scream and yell about the strikeouts, but that's just baseball, man. Until they change some rules, that's just going to be baseball. So I think there's improvement for the offense, offense still to come. And that's just amazing to see after the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, it's it's hard to get upset at an offense when the entire league is just basically that's that's what it is. That's that's where we're at with it all. Dom Hopkins. Oh, I'll get upset with the offense. Please, what, yeah. are, what are we doing? What are we doing out there? I mean, like you said, there's some innings that look like a joke. They open up real nice. You get two runners on first and second, nobody out. You can't get a bunt down. That's a strikeout. Oh, pop out in foul territory, two outs. As soon as this guy bounces out, we'll head to the post game show, and it's over. And you're just like, that went so fast. Chris Bryant is playing lights out. And it's great to see because you're just like, oh, oh I remember. Man, do I miss oh, it? Yeah. yeah. Look, at, look at him. There He's hitting is. the ball. And then, you know, he gets he gets on. Rizzo gets a hit. Then you get first and third. And then you start bringing up, you know, Baez, who's hit and miss. Contreras, who's, you know, none of these guys are hot. I don't know what Hap's doing. I mean. He was injured for two weeks, thanks to Nico. But like, I think Hap's Hap's gonna turn a corner, in my opinion. Well, Hap, Hap has also turned into this team's Cal Schwarber, meaning no one loves to stare at a fastball down the middle of the plate. Yes. no one. Can't it's believe it. To me that that it off and drops the bat and looks up at the sky, being like, "I guess that was a fastball." I mm. mean, just just down just down Broadway, just like. I'll take a seat. Nice oh, job. Great eye. Watches it coming the whole way in. Yeah. And, you know, Sunday was standing. Now, Sunday, I was on the couch screaming obscenities the whole game, freaking out the whole house because it was just like, what are you yelling at? I'm like, what am I yelling at? You see the box. Here's the circle. Not hard to figure out. And, like, it's not like it was borderline on Sunday. Like, it was it was misses. Like, if I'm uh, wrong, I, I got the hook just as fast as he did. And I also really enjoyed the fact that they cut the on-field mic as soon as Ross started coming out. Um, I was a little bit depressed on that. Um, I really would have wished to hear what he was saying. It's already hard enough to hear what he's saying. Better. Um, Be with better. the mask. Yeah, right. Be better at him. And, and that's what you're getting tossed for? Come on. That umpire was terrible. But, you know, when I was 30, I was an idiot too. So, in all fairness to that guy, good for him. The offense right now struggling between Chris Bryant and, and Nico. That's it. Like I like Rizzo. So when I see Bryant Rizzo coming up, it's probably going to result at least in a base runner at that point. But the rest of this, it's a struggle. I would, you know, bias, you know, was it last week? He had an opposite field home run and it was like, okay, here we go. Um, and it just, it hadn't amount to anything after that. Well, Javi, 59 strikeouts to five walks, 12 to one. I mean, that, and he just, those he, walks have come in the last like week or yeah, so. It just doesn't matter. That that kid could be up 3-0 in the count, and they'll throw him three straight sliders a foot out. He's swinging. 
Yeah, he's he's taken a couple more pitches here and there, but yeah, this offense until it gets Jake Marisnik back, I just don't know. Uh, I just don't know what to tell you. <laughs> hey, you 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 joke about that, but like we were saying a minute ago, right? Like when you have a lineup where you start like Bodie and and Hayward, and that's the bottom of your lineup where you got guys hitting a buck eighty five, a buck ninety five, and that's basically an automatic out. You have all this pressure now on the Rizzo's and the Bryant's and the Javi's to come through. And if they don't, you're just not going to score runs. Well, and, and it has been, and it has been a, a net positive, I would say to this point of having a Sogard, a Marisnik, um, a Duffy on a team where I feel like our depth or at least the pieces coming yeah. off the bench are worlds better than they have been in pre seasons past. You know, D Daniel Descalso just kind of comes to mind as like, he's mm -hmm. going to be your ace off oh, the bench. It hasn't really worked out. We've been kind of trying to find, Honestly, you know, everyone talks about what happened to the Cubs after Dexter Fowler left, but, you know, no one really talks about what happened to the Cubs offense since Ben Zobris has left. Yeah. I mean, Ben Zobris was so integral. I mean, contact hitter, professional, switch hitter, control clock. Yeah, versatile, the whole deal. And now we've kind of never really replaced with that type of player. Sean, I want to ask you, Anthony Rizzo right now, what are you seeing from him? I mean, we're coming up on June, right? This is the month historically, traditionally, career-wise, yeah. when Anthony Rizzo takes off and his numbers start to look the exact same as they have in seasons past, are you feeling he's going to come out of these struggles? Is it premature to uh, declare Anthony Rizzo dead as an offensive baseball player? What's your take on where Rizzo is at right now? Uh, well, first off, I'd say KB is now this team's overest. Um, no, I, it's, I'm not giving up on Rizzo at all. That guy's got too much of a track record. He's still, without a doubt, you're – your best hitter when it comes to with two strikes and an AB it, it maybe it feels like a little bit lately I've been noticing maybe he's been striking out a little bit more than than, than Rizzo typically does and real quick his uh, the fastball situation that you've been mentioning catching yeah. fastballs it's been a big problem with Rizzo this year that's yeah. something that you can't sneak past him yeah so that's that's the one thing I've noticed the fastballs and a few more strikeouts I, I guess I, I would maybe expect a little bit more pop out of his bat up until this point but again you know April and May the weather at Wrigley you just from one day to the next, you never know what you're going to get, you know? So I'm not giving up on Rizzo. I still think at the end of the year, you're going to look up and Rizzo's going to be right there. 275, 280, probably 25, 30 bombs, 85 to hundred RBIs playing gold glove at first base. Dom, what's your take on Rizzo so far this season? I mean, obviously he hasn't been terrible, but he really hasn't looked like the player that he probably wants to be and needs to be frankly heading into a walk here. Well, on a 500 team, I think you'd get a lot of the guys on this on uh, in the dugout to say that you know they're not playing to where they think they could be because if they would, they would be in first place by 15 games. Um, I have no worry about Rizzo. I think he's an awesome ball player. You know, I'm part of the Sign Rizzo fan club. Um, all this uh, pay Rizzo. Well, I mean, what are we doing? This is yeah. this is your leader. Even if he hits you 275, he's getting. It seems like he's getting the hits when they need him. He's moving runners around and. Besides what I think he made an error a week or two ago, but other than that, he's a stud at first, and yeah. and I have no problem with him. Zero. He couldn't Nothing. get the ball out of his glove, right? It just it was one of the ones where kind of <laughs> yeah. out of his glove a little bit, and obviously he's kind of having his annual back injury or his back ailment. You know, the annual May trip to the the tightness of the back, so that could also be kind of barking at him too yeah. as well. The greatest relief pitcher in Cubs history is going to be fine. Ready. <laughs> Can't stop that heap. Is. We got two yeah. more topics before we get you guys out of here. Uh, we're going to do one that I probably loathe 
the most. I don't know, probably because it just kind of hurts to talk about, but it's one that everyone's kind of speaking about, everyone's thinking about is what is this Cubs team going to do with the deadline? What is this Cubs team going to do with so many free agents and so many, frankly, Cubs heroes that either are or are not going to be on the roster next year? So let's just kind of keep Craig Kimbrell out of this, right? Where unless the Cubs are up by what, six games in the division, I think six is probably the number. Craig Kimbrell's gone. And honestly, they could still probably trade Craig Kimbrell and replace him and maybe still probably be fine. He's having a great season. He's not the future, but Rizzo, Baez, KB, you know, as we did in the preview pod, we kind of sort of picked who would we keep, who would we, you know, who would we sign? Sounds like we're all on board with Anthony Rizzo coming back as a Chicago Cub. And frankly, the way he's playing right now, he's kind of sort of working himself into a market that probably a deal will get done at this particular yeah. time in the point of May. Well, let's just do Javi Baez versus Chris Bryant. Have we changed at all how we feel moving forward in the future? If you had your pick, if you had your druthers, which one would you take long term, Javi Baez or Chris Bryant? Dom, you're going to go first. Ooh, uh, who am I going to take moving forward? If if I'm I'm paying Bryant, um, I just I've said it before here. He just has the most natural ability of. I mean, looking across the game, he he's he should be considered one of the best players in the game and i think because right now he's on a 500 team the only reason he's getting mentioned is because he's a free agent and everybody seems to know that the cubs are going to be selling i think you know even if they're close to the top of the division uh, unless it's a bigger number like Jed is going to pick this team apart and, and just crush our hearts little by little, you know, this, you know, one week it's going to be Kimbrell. The next it's going to be somebody else. Oh, here comes the Bryant boom. Um, I think they would get a better deal if they signed Javi. Um, I think his stats over the last year and a half are going to show that he's, you know, he should have taken the gigantic deal when he had the opportunity. Um, talk about a miss on his part. Uh, but you know that's the, that's the game is it you know it's not show friends it's show business. I would sure like to overpay Chris Bryant for the next ten years than I would like to overpay Javi Baez for the next ten years. I'm kind of coming around with you on this one, and here's 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 what it is. And Sean, I want you to hop in on this too as well. Where obviously you see Javi, and he has all kinds of exciting, not just you know. Yeah, don't get me wrong, like I yeah, like I, I like Javi Baez. I guess like my thing is. And and they're 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 not perfect guys either way. And Sean, no. what I'm trying to think about here is clearly we've learned over the last couple of years that KB cannot play hurt, right? And that's a problem, especially when you invest long term money into a guy like that. If he's got a shoulder, if he's got a wrist, if he's got a whatever, you're just not going to be getting the bang for your buck. Where I think you know Javi probably plays through a bunch more stuff than KB yeah. probably does. On the other side. Javi, you know, he's stealing bases this year, right? Because it's a walk year. Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> I am starting to sort of ask myself a question where defensively, he hasn't been great this year. I would say that, you know, the, the, the plays that he hasn't made have probably outweighed the plays that he has made so far. And I'm kind of just sort of questioning if you give Javi a long-term deal, is he just a third baseman in the future? You know, is that as that athleticism begins to erode, are you just kind of looking at a free-swinging, swing and miss 240 guy that hits 25 home runs from the third base position and maybe not the shortstop spot, which is maybe now maybe thinking, you know, KB can play multiple positions, not just first base, but multiple outfield positions, third base, you know, 
where are you sitting on this, Sean? Because it's starting to get really interesting in terms of, you know, who would you rather have? Because, of course, as Cubs fans, we can't possibly even entertain that we can maybe even keep both of them. God forbid. Yeah, which that's a that's like a whole pot in itself, right? We'll say that issue. It's I mean, not like we'll have a seventy million payroll heading into next year. Where in theory we yeah. would have about one hundred and forty million dollars to spend just on next year's team. But I digress. Or there were a three billion dollar franchise, etc. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think honestly, right now we're seeing KB's future. We're seeing him in the corner outfield. That's his future to me. Like KB's not. I, I don't think KB's going to be a consistent like 33, 34 year old playing the hot corner. I just don't. Um, I'll give my answer, then I'll give my reasonings. I, I, I'm with you guys, or with what Dom just said. I think it does have to be KB over Javi, unfortunately. And now here's why. I freaking love El Mago. Javi Baez frustrates the hell out of me. And I feel, I feel like what's happening is the more we're seeing way more of Javi than we are El Mago as he as he sticks around and gets older in the big leagues. So I think you're spot on, Joey, that as he gets older, we're going to see just a ton of Javi who can't catch up to the fastball more and more and continues to swing at everything. Because that's what Javi is right now, right? Like, if you make a mistake to him over the plate with the slider, he'll take you deep. He can get you on the fastball. Once he loses that and he keeps swinging at everything, he is just that. He's a 230 hitter with getting on base at 255, who's probably going to have to play third, maybe even second base. I can't give that guy $200 million. You know what I mean? I also think it hurts Javi going into the market this year, which could, if they decide to go Javi, help the Cubs. There's a lot of pretty decent shortstops going into the free agents offseason this year. And I know that uh, once it's Lindor's gone, but you still got Correa and Story. And there's a lot et cetera, of right. So you got teams are going to want him. So I think, Dom's right about that. You probably get a better deal with Hobby, but I think it is KB. And I don't think you have to give KB 10 years. I think his history of injuries are going to take that off the table. I know Scott Boris is going to ask you for that, but he's going to be what, 30, 30 years old, 31 next year with a history of injuries where he misses 30, 40, 50, 60 games a year. You're not, he's not getting 10 years. If KB would take what, six at 180? You have to give him that with where he can. Yeah, 5150. Annual, your annual AAV is super high. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, he can still dip back into the market at 34, 35. Yeah. By then, there's universal DH in both leagues. He can still get a two, three year deal, that Josh Donaldson deal or whatever. Yeah. 70 or 80. And all of a sudden, maybe he's making 230 instead of maybe signing that, that eight for 200. Yeah. So I think that's how it has to go because I just, man, again, I love El Mago and I would give El Mago $300 million in 10 years, but giving Javi Baez a six year, seven year, $200 million contract. I just can't do it. Sorry. And that's, what's kind of been happening is, you know, KB is reminding us a, that he's healthy, but B that there are intangibles that sort of play themselves out deeper into his career as he gets yeah. older. And there are intangibles that are really important to the team. Now, as you mentioned, El Mago's intangibles in these previous years when we were, you know, going to, you know, NLCSs were innumerable because, man, the tagging, the crazy slides, the plays on defense, just the athleticism, the flair for the game, the passion. I'm not saying that Javi is not a passionate player. He still very much is, but I'm sort of started seeing that maybe slowly erode a little bit. And which player is going to evolve with the times, you know, a little bit better deeper into their career? I'm sort of feeling like it's KB a touch. Dom, are you still on the board of, you know, it just sort of seems like this fait accompli that there is no way, no scenario, no how that the Cubs can re-sign Chris Bryant 
Are you still in that camp as well? I, I would say it's not 0%, but it's not much higher than 5 to 10, I mean, 10 tops. I mean, um, and real quick, do you think that's because it's Boris? Um, or do you think that's because Chris Bryant does not want to be a Chicago Cub? I think it's both. I mean, maybe not that he doesn't want to be a Cub, but that it's certainly it's run its course. Um, yeah. He's played. He, he's been when I say a while, it's not like he's been here for like a decade or anything. But, you know, he, he's been here for a few years. He he's been through some tough times. He came up. He exploded on the scene. He's got his hardware. Uh, they won the World Series. And if you're coming through the Cubs organization, like what else do you want to do as a player? You just want to, you know, play at Wrigley every day, which, you know, is a great excuse to stay with the team, but um, I think it's both. I think um, Chris Bryant just thinks, you know, maybe the service time thing is getting to be too big of a, too big of a nugget on his back. And, and it's just time for a refresher somewhere. He maybe he wants to go West. Um, we all thought he was going to team up with, with Bryce somewhere on the West coast. And, and that didn't happen. Um, if Bryant becomes a, a Met or something like ugh, gross, I, I just, I, I don't see him with, I, I, I don't think the Cubs are going to offer him the money and I think they're going to offer him something at least to say, Hey, you know, we tried. And um, I, I think he's going to say, you know, thanks for the memories, but no thanks. Get my video tribute ready and uh, I'll see you next year. Yeah. I think San Diego or San Francisco would probably be the fit. If I could, you know, put it in my mind's eye. Like I can't imagine why he would want to go to the Mets and guess what? No one can go to the angels anymore. You know, they're going to give you money. It's great, but it's literally like selling your soul. To like work for like corporate like some sort of like corporate entity that would just completely suck the life out of you and i don't boston know red sox well oh that, that interest, that's interesting a boston red sox situation because i will yeah. say the interesting about all this about the it's run its course as a cub i mean sean like let's be real swerver and lester looked really bummed they weren't still on the cubs am i wrong i mean like the tribute and everything kind of like hit them hit, hit it home and like you could see schwarber out there kind of looking around the outfield and just being like, man, Washington sucks. What are <laughs> well, what's what's yeah. happening? I mean, like, is the grass going to be greener for KB on the other side? Well, and that's like the thing with like, like Schwarber and Lester did not want to leave. I mean, Lester's calling the owner, be like, hey, brother, I'll take a bag of peanuts and five dollars, please let me. Right? KB's going to be the one I think ultimately choosing to leave, and I think he's probably going to learn pretty quick that the grass is not always greener because. If he wants to go out West, I don't know. I mean, where's he going to play for the Padres? They have Machado. They've got a pretty loaded team and they just spent a lot of money, right? The Giants is a possibility. The Dodgers just re-signed Turner, gave Mookie bets. I mean, at some point their money, their well has to run dry on that money. So I don't know that the, the West coast is going to be necessarily. That's why I say the Red Sox with his family's history and all that Ted Williams and his dad and the organization. But I think he might, get out into free agency and all of a sudden start getting offers and being like, none of these teams are as good as Wrigley and Chicago and the Cubs as an organization. Yeah. Dom hop in. Yeah. It was just jumping back to Lester and Schwarber. Um, that was almost the hardest part. Like, it, you know, it, those guys deserve those tributes. They were, they were absolutely, it was great to see as a fan, uh, as a Cubs fan, you know, that, that Lester tribute. Oh God almost get the somebody cutting onions up in here but <laughs> like in my heart it was almost like they shouldn't have left i mean you could have got a screaming deal on both of those guys and they could still be here and and i think that's what that was the hardest for me to digest for when they came back and played 
Well, the thing with Schwarber is they just got rid of the DH. I mean, that's that's the issue, right? I Which mean, again is going to start next year. So he can, I mean, I, I, honestly, I wouldn't count it out. One more year of him in the outfield would have been worth it to have him for the next three with the DH. Yeah. I did not have a pot at the time, but I remember when Arietta signed with Philly, I said, mark my words, he will be back in a Cubs uniform one more time. And you see it fairly often, right? Like Dexter Fowler didn't really want to leave. I mean, these guys, the situation's pretty good, what they've been able to build there, which is a testament to Jed and obviously Theo, who's no longer with them anymore. And obviously Wrigleyville, who's a big, you know, that's a big selling point too as well. So it just strikes me funny that it it, it is, I believe you guys, that, that Chris Bryant sort of feels like the first guy that actually chooses to leave the Chicago Cubs. And I'm just kind of trying to get in the mind space of why do you want to do that? Like, what do you think is out there other than $200 million from the Seattle Mariners or the Arizona Diamondbacks? And if that's the case, God bless. We will hear from you again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now on the flip side of that, as a fan, what I sure as hell don't want to hear is what I heard with the Rizzo situation. I don't want to hear that the Cubs offered Chris Bryant five years at a hundred million dollars. Like that's just, that's a middle finger, right? Yeah. You know, what, 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 what do they offer Rizzo reportedly five at 70? That's a middle finger to what that guy has meant to your franchise and what he can still provide going forward. Now, if I hear the Cubs offer Chris Bryant six at 150 and he just said, no, then thanks for what you did. Like you just said, have fun playing in Arizona or Seattle. You're going to, you're going to find out it's not as fun. But I just want I, that's that's where I will get frustrated as a season ticket holder, spending money every year, going into that ballpark, dropping 13 bucks on a beer and seven on a hot dog. If the Cubs start lowballing, because we also don't want that reputation. We don't want to get that reputation around the game that, oh, yeah, yeah, it's Wrigley Phil and they make a shit ton of money, but they're going to lowball you on the offer. Yeah, none of this gets um, the Ricketts ownership off the hook on any of this. And that's going to be a cool. competition for a pot for another time. And it's only May right now. And the Cubs are over 500. And I'm not taking it to that place, gentlemen. I'm not. But I am going to take it to one final topic, just real quick. So, gentlemen, I love bringing in my Cubs consigliaries around the 40 game mark, right? It's nice to check in and those sort of benchmarks of the season. So, in theory, we got three more of these coming up this season. This is one of a series of four. So my question for you is over under, because this is a betting Chicago pod brought to you by betonline.ag over under 1.5 happy Cubs pods for the rest of this season. I feel like this one was a pretty happy pod. I feel like we're, we had more surprises than we are angry and frustrated. The future is uncertain, but I think we can call this one a happy one. Sean, you're going to go first over under 1.5 happy Cubs pods the rest of the season. Oh boy. I, I will say this. I think this this next month, as we were discussing the schedule before we start recording, this is it. This is this is it. This this this, this next month with the the road games and the teams they have lining up are probably going to decide whether we have over under one and a half happy pods going forward. I you know what? Look, I'll be optimistic and I'll say over. I'll say we're gonna we're gonna survive June. We're still gonna be right there in contention. We won't trade as many pieces as we say. I agree. Kimball's probably gone, putting him aside, but he's probably gone. And I say, we'll still be right there. We'll have a potentially good August and we'll be fighting for the, that, that second wild card, possibly the division going into September. So I'll go over to be optimistic. That's good. It sounds like happy pod, sad pod, maybe happy pod to end the season as we look forward. Yes. Uh, that's, that's a good call right there. Dom, you're up my friend. 1.5 more happy Cubs pods the rest of the season. Don't sugarcoat this. 
We're going to have an uplifting end of the season. Get out of here. First of all, I am always happy when I leave this podcast, no matter how angry I am with the bullpen or how upset I am with the office. So in that theory, I'm going to say over. However, as a group, um, I think I think it's going to be under. I think, you know, I, you mentioned it earlier. This could be the last full-fledged happy podcast i mean a surprising bullpen at this point doesn't mean a surprising bullpen you know they're going to surprise us the other way is they're going to implode and pieces start missing and they're going to have to start plugging people here and there um i think that's going to be tough you mentioned the schedule in the next six weeks is just going to be brutal oh guess what it's warming up in chicago so Contreras is going to go down for a while um pieces are going next time we talk i i <laughs> I got to say under, I got to say under, even, even though my personality leans me to say the other way. And I'm always happy when I leave doing this. We will still have smiles on our faces, but the words coming out of our (laughs) mouths might be uber. John, what what would be one thing that you probably need to see from this Cubs team to maybe change or improve upon to bring us that happy pod the next time we talk? Oh, that's easy. The starting rotation. If, you know, again, I, I expect to drop off from the bullpen, but I think they've leveled out. They're going to stay at least good. If not, if, you know, maybe not great, but at least good. The offense has kind of righted itself. And as we go in, we all know, as we go into, into the summer at Wrigley, wind blowing out, you're going to get a few more runs. But that, that can go both ways, right? Your pitching staff's already giving up home runs and getting rocked. It's got to be the starting rotation, whether that is making a move with the deadline if you're there or it is DFA and a guy like Williams and giving Thompson a chance, but it has to be the rotation. Yeah, you got to have one of those times when you go through the rotation one full turn and you go like three and two, four and one, and they pitch really well and you don't score a yeah. lot of runs, right? It, there's there's got to be that balancing act a little bit where they can kind of sort of take the pressure off. And maybe, God yeah. forbid, you know, maybe put two or three starts in a row where you go seven or eight innings and take maybe some of the heat off the bullpen. Yes. Dom, give me one player in the offensive lineup that needs to improve to make this a happy pod the next time we talk. Oh, I mean, you could certainly take half the lineup at this point. And uh, like, you know, you pose the last question to Sean to me, and I'm going to say the offense because, you, you know, we mentioned it earlier, the same thing that's been plaguing this team over the last two or three years at the end of the year has been scoring runs and feast or famine is not going to cut it. That's, that's a 500 or below 500 team. If, if you think you can have a shot at being right around 500 and still winning the division, this offense has to, has to click somehow. Um, Hayward's got to pick it up. I was just going to say, man, it's so weird, but I feel like, I feel like if we can get Jason Hayward just doing what he, what we've expected of him, which isn't much, but you know, hitting 250, 260, hitting the ball sharply and doing it from the bottom third of the lineup, hitting around Nico Horner. I feel like that that's going to make a huge difference. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think the bottom of the lineup besides Nico needs a spark. Um, Jason Hayward is always a winner. They paid him to be a winner. Um, he, at times he seems to be guessing at the plate, but more times than not, I feel like he puts a good swing on the swing on the ball. And uh, uh, sometimes you get snake bit into a, into a one ninety two average, but um, you, you got to have something like you mentioned, especially in the bottom of the lineup for this team to uh, uh, be a little bit better in the next couple of months. And just thinking about this off the top of my head um, as a Cubs fan, Sean and I, Dom, I want to hear you too. What is it like to root for the White Sox when their manager's Tony La Russa and they're playing the Cardinals right now? 
What is that? What is that cocktail like? Does it have a little tang to it? Is it? Is it a tough finish? Is it like well, a? Let me tell you, because this is a betting podcast, is right. Like I, I had a little, I had a little five, I had a little five game parlay going last night, and I picked the, I picked the White Sox to win that game. I lost by a parlay, but I had the White Sox as a winner, and I was just standing at work last night watching that game on TV with just this vile taste in my mouth. So I was like, first off, can they both lose? Yeah. No, they can't. Okay, because it's sports and it has to be a winner unless you're playing soccer. I was like, so it has to be a winner. And I'm like, and I picked the White Sox. I'm like, I'm rooting for the White Sox here. God, does that hurt? And does that just not taste good? Yeah, Don, what's it like rooting for Tony La Russa uh, last night and these next couple nights? It's been really interesting all year to hear White Sox fans starting to complain about Tony La Russa's antics and how he operates during a game, because these are things we've known for years. Uh, we've seen Dusty this in Baker's the national like, league. Yeah. 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 He sits back. Dusty Baker sitting somewhere with a lemonade, just being like, hello, 2002, <laughs> 2003, 2004 called. We've seen this dog and pony before. Yep. Um, I, it's just, you know, they have a, they have, they have a good team. I wish them well. They have a pitching staff that, if they can, I mean, they, they just seem like they could, they could rickroll people at all times. It doesn't matter who they're facing. You've got those, you know, solid four guys at the top and you get a fifth start. And I don't understand. Only La Russa, an old school manager can sink that team right now and injuries and injuries, of course. Well, and the injuries have certainly tried, uh, certainly tried on that white Sox team too, as well. Yeah. And honestly, that's starting pitching right now. It is interesting where, I don't think it's going to happen, but the whole fun argument of KB to the White Sox. The only thing that's interesting about that is that the White Sox pitching is going so good right now. You would maybe think that they would have the ego or the belief that they could just cut off a Garrett Crochet. You know what I mean? Like, cause, oh, we've got so much. We're fine. It, it's the yeah. Cubs. It's how it's why the Cubs treated Aloy, right? They thought they had plenty. We got plenty of outfield prospects. We just traded Jorge Soler. We don't care. We can trade a lawyer too as well. We'll We got Storber. We got Almora. We're stunned. Real. And now we're paying Jock Peterson. You know what I mean? Eight million dollars to have you know a sub four hundred slugging percentage. But that's kind of what happens when a position is going so well. The White Sox pitching in this particular case, you start feeling like you can kind of get fast and loose with some of your guys. So I don't know. You know what I mean? The KB for Garrett Crochet thing. We'll see what happens. It's all kind of fun. I think like Chicago fodder for right now. Sean. You know, if you want to see mine and Dominic's head like simultaneously combust <laughs> live on screen, announce that trade as we're recording a pie. It'll just be you and just me and Dom going. So oh, I got these sheets up to keep yeah, all that in. Yeah, it'll. <laughs> oh man, I was just checking the floor for the plastic for the plastic lining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, gentlemen, yeah, we'll see what happens there. It's not going to be Kopech. Uh, if it was Crochet, that's also a pretty that's a that's a pretty good get. It's a pretty good get for right now for the Chicago Cubs. We'll have to see what happens. But for right now, the Cubs are fighting for first place as they take on the Pittsburgh Pirates team beginning tonight. You guys, Sean Graves, Dom Fortini, my Cubs consigliaries, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining the pod today. It's great to see you. Great to get your insights and your perspectives. And this episode of Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos is brought to you by betonline.ag. Make sure you head to that website because it's free to sign up and they'll give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So it's totally worth it to go over there and check it out. Maybe do that five-team parlay that Sean was cashing in the other night as Tony LaRusso takes on the Cardinals tonight too as well. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this pod. We got more coming, so make sure you check that out. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.